millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Welcome to Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Later in our programme, planning regulations for rooftop solar panel installations to be relaxed. Chagas update on grass and breeding, part two of a conversation with Dr. Liam Downey, director of Chagask 1994-2001, to on his recent co-authored work, Historical Irish Dairy Products, plus many other interesting items in our programme. First, rooftop Solar panel installation. Miss Amy Ford, Deputy News Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Amy, welcome to the programme. Now, a very interesting article in the journal this week, proposal for rooftop solar on farms to be exempt from planning permission. Yeah, thanks, John, for having me on. Look, I suppose at the minute there are plan permission issues in certain cases where you want to put solar panels on the roof of your house or your farm. And I suppose there's a new proposal that's out this week, um, which could see the majority of farms around the country, um, could, they could install solar voltaic panels basically across the entire roof space of their sheds without needing planning permission at all. So this is a new proposal that's going out for public consultation, um, which could see basically the majority of farmers around the country uh, be able to put up solar PV on their roofs, generate energy uh, for their own farm use and possibly sell some back to the grid without plan permission. So currently roof-mounted solar panels, uh, which don't exceed 50 metres squared or 50% of the total roof area, whichever is the lesser, are exempt from plan permission. So if you had um, more, obviously, roof space more than 50 metres, squared uh, that rules that out now anymore you can cover the whole roof up to a certain point obviously around edges and stuff uh, without needing plan permission if this if this new plan goes through so a number of revisions to existing plan permission exemptions are under consideration by government and as I said a public consultation has been launched uh, there'll be a small section of the country about 3% of the total country's land area um, where, uh, where they're in solar safeguarding zones so they're basically around hospitals and have aviation concerns around glint and glare arising from increased solar developments but as I said it's only about 3% of the country and um, 
on the house side of things, so obviously, you know, heating our homes at the minute, the, the cost of fuel, the cost of living, cost of inputs, cost of electricity, everything like that has really increased over the last couple of weeks and months. It's ratcheted up um, and, you know, solar panels could be a solution to that only if we could put them up on, on the roofs or on the walls of our house. So essentially, um, wall-mounted solar panels of up to 60 metres squared would also be exempt from plan permission uh, on farms under the proposals and it's a really interesting um, proposal really and on the house side of things uh, regardless of a house's location they could install solar panels on their roofs again without any requirement for plan permission so it's a really big move on the on the solar panel front and a positive one. There is a deadline I don't have it off the top of my head right now John but it's on the Department of Housing's website so you'll find it there Um it's obviously very positive. They've just said that the solar panel installations, they'll be able to cover the entire roof of a house subject to minor setback distances from the edge of the roof again. Um, the whole thing has been has been welcomed by the Micro Renewable Energy Federation. Um, they've said that the plan requirements have been a major barrier to much wider adoption of this renewable power and the solar energy in particular. Um, but all details will be on the Department of Housing's website. Thank you very much indeed, Miss Amy Ford, Deputy News Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. On the 15th of June, the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnellug, launched a 56 million euro fodder support scheme. But the ICMSA say they are angry about being excluded from the scheme. And also, the Hailshee farmers claim the fodder scheme is unacceptable because they feel they've been excluded largely. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, on the 13th of June, announced the opening of applications for the Pig Exceptional Payment Scheme 2, PEPS 2. In announcing the scheme, Minister McConnell said that pig farmers are remarkably resilient and he's acutely aware of the unprecedented challenges they are facing at present. Irish pig farmers, alongside others across the European Union, are currently facing a combination of low prices and extraordinarily high input costs. That is why, Minister McConnell said, he had targeted 13 million euro of the 15.8 million euro EU exceptional aid allocation to support the viability of this important sector, the pig sector. He said the scheme would assist pig farmers to make the necessary adjustment to the new market situation and support them as much as possible through this period of major disruption. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnellug, has announced the establishment of the Food Vision Beef and Sheep Group. The first meeting of the group took place on 16th of June. Joining us on the farm programme, we have Miss Bernie Carroll. Bernie, welcome to the programme. Now, Bernie, would you please remind our listeners what your role is in the Charleville Agricultural Show? Thank you, John. First of all, I suppose my role is a very varied role. Um, at the moment, I'm assistant PRO. I'm involved in organising the trade stands, and I'm also a development officer. So I, I, I have my hands in a lot of pies, if you call it. And this year, we are celebrating our 41st show. And the pandemic, for the last two years, we had no show. And in 2019, we celebrated our 40th anniversary. And for that, we which I did myself, I produced a book with a lot of memories and a lot of stories from people like yourself. 
uh, going back over their years and about their memories of Charleville Show. So that book um, we had on sale at our show in 2019 and we have some more printed now to sell this year because I think the fact that we would no show for two years, um, it will even mean more to people this year. And there's lots of memories in it, lots of little stories and a very nice keepsake and memories for people that have been going to the show since 1979. I'm looking at a copy of the Charleville Show celebrating 40 years, 1979 to 2019 inclusive. And indeed, at the end of the book, you have an individual poster for each year of the show and the first show poster announcing your plans to start the first ever agricultural show on the Limerick Road, etc. But you might remind our listeners about the collection of posters advertising the individual shows going back to the very first one in 1979 and to show the progress you've made. In fact, I understand you now own all of your land. You are smart enough to buy the land and we can't, of course, um, talk about Charter Agricultural Show without paying tribute to the reverend gentleman who established you, you know, got the idea going and uh, threw it out there for discussion. They are actually at the front page of the catalogue of all the years going back along. Uh, one of our uh, founding members, Pat O'Reardon, who is now um, life president of the show, um, had all the catalogues from all the years, and we took a picture of all the catalogues and we put them in the book as well, because I thought it would be a nice idea. And yes, indeed, as you said, Dr. Donald O'Driscoll, who had a meeting in Cronin's Hotel in Charville back in 1979, saying that... Um, I think it would be a good idea we're in the middle of the Golden Vale. We should have a show in Charville, and people thought the man was crazy. But thankfully, um, a few people supported him, and the show was held in 1979 very successful, and it has grown from strength to strength since. And in fact, we have two life presidents now, Nora Leahy and Pat O'Reardon, who were founding members of the show, and also Ian Dial, who has been a member of the committee since it started in 1979. So, you know, it's a voluntary organisation and the amount of commitment, time, hard work that everyone puts into it is simply amazing. It's a labour of love for everybody. You know, we wouldn't do it otherwise. And I suppose, to be honest, this year, we found it difficult enough to get back into the swing of you know, organising everything. But in the last couple of weeks, thankfully, it has all come together again. Now, the entries have been a bit slow coming in because people have not have not been used to exhibiting for the last two years. And thankfully, in the last few days, the phone is hopping, the entries are coming in online, and we're back on track again. And the same with trade spends. It's gone very, very busy. Whereas a few weeks ago, we were kind of saying, oh, my God, it's going to be a much smaller show but thankfully it won't be. And the word on the street is everybody is asking about it. People are so looking forward to going to something now because I think they appreciate it more now than before they took it for granted, whereas now people realise we had no show for two years and they missed it so much. So the dates of the show and how can people arrange to make entries or to make inquiries and its location, its very central location, just before you go into the town of Charleville? Our show is on Saturday, June the 25th and Sunday, June the 26th. And it's on the Ballyhay side of um, Charleville on the Cockley Road, uh, right beside the, the little warehouse. 
and um, it's very easy to find it. It'll be all signposted. Um, you can't miss it. So, and it's very easy access. We have uh, an awful lot of parking for uh, exhibitors and patrons and everything like that. And if anybody wants to enter any section, we have 326 different classes in the show, varying from horses to cattle to sheep to dogs down to baby show. So there's loads of different sections in the show to enter, and they can all be entered online on our website, which is www charitableshow.com I'll also maybe mention that the office phone number which is based in Charleville, in the, not in the main street but down by the Vincent de Paul office and the phone number is 063 895 And those two days are chock full of entries. You have your livestock, which, of course, people coming from far beyond the borders of the Republic, they say this is the best show they've ever seen. But certainly, in a modest way, the very least people who go along to the show will say in its praise is it's perhaps the most family-friendly show in the country at the moment. It is, and there is so much for everyone to see and do. And it's even, you know... We'll say on the Sunday when I walk around the grounds when I'm finished doing my different jobs and I can just observe people and you see families chatting to other families. They're having ice cream, they're having chips and they're chatting and they're probably meeting somebody, you know, over the years. They only met them once a year, whereas this year it'll be three years since they met them. And I think there'll be a huge buzz at the show this year. Will you have a thrashing machine as part of your vintage uh, display at the show? This year, the vintage section has been reduced slightly because um, it, there has been an issue with their insurance. So we won't have any actually walking uh, equipment at the show. There'll be just stationary engines, thrashing machines, steam engines, all that kind of stuff. But they won't be actually walking. But indeed, people can see these machines, these oh, amazing machines. Afford, yes. And vintage cars as well, yeah. The livestock display, people have come from overseas and said it's remarkable how they drive to Charleville and they find in this show such a huge variety of pedigree and top class and variety of different uh, breeds of cattle. There is indeed, and we have some of the top um, cattle in the country um, exhibit at our show. And I suppose just to remind patrons, if you are coming to see the cattle, the dairy and the beef, they're on Saturday, not Sunday. On Sunday, we would have the sheep section, but on Saturday and Sunday, it's the dairy and beef because sometimes people come on Sunday and look for the cattle section and we say, oh, no, that was yesterday. And, you know, it's just to remind them that it is on Saturday. That's well worth clarifying. Speaking to Miss Bernie Carroll from Charleville Agricultural Show, Assistant PRO, amongst your many, many other uh, offices. But Bernie, please remind us uh, the dates of the show, its location, and if you can, in broad terms, tell us which classes are on show on Saturday and which on Sunday and which classes are available on both days because anytime I've gone to the show, I've found Saturday and Sunday, you still have that huge Tremendous atmosphere, the, the wonderful atmosphere that rural Ireland is alive and we can see, you know, a different civilization if you've come from a large city or even a middle-sized town. That's right, John. Now, again, as I said, our show is on Saturday, June the 25th and Sunday, June the 26th. So on Saturday, we would have um, the showing of ponies. We have show jumping. We have the dairy uh, judging the beef classes. Pony Club games, we would have judging of uh, decorative classes, horticulture, adults, 
um, arts and crafts, children's arts and crafts, uh, cookery section, lots of trade stand, pet corners and the bagels. And then on Sunday, we would have, again, um, showing of horses, show jumping. We'll have the bagels again. We have judging of sheep, all-time crafts, a massive vintage display, a dog show, a baby show, lots of trade stands. And this year we have, for the first time, the mounted games on Sunday for individuals and teams. That's wonderful, Bernie. Of course, you just mentioned in passing the dog show, but I think that attracts an enormous amount of uh, people of all ages to see the dog show displays because you get the impression that dogs are loving it and they're performing all kinds of tricks and they're so eager to please their master and you get the impression they're actually aware of the public audience, but people who go to the dog show or people who talk about Charleville show or shows in general, but particularly Charleville show... They're delighted to find that there's a dog show and when they go along, they're amazed at the great communication that exists between dog owners, the dogs, and, in fact, the general admiring public, even though they're not a food, of course, like uh, cattle, sheep, or other um, agri-food. That's right, John, and even on the Sunday, even if you didn't know where the dog show was on in the showground, you'll just see a crowd of people and you wonder what's going on there, and when you get into the middle of the crowd you realise it's the dog show. The amount of people that look at the dog show is phenomenal. It's a huge attraction, and it's on at 1 o'clock on the Sunday. Now you can enter, there's about 10 or 12 different classes. You can enter online on our website, or uh, they will also be taking entries on the day. Entertainment on the Sunday this year, we have um, the Garda Band. Uh, which we're very honoured to have. I think it'll be a big attraction because, you know, people see it on television, but they never actually see them live. And we're delighted to have the Garda Band this year. And just, I suppose, to remind patrons as well that on Saturday and Sunday, we have hot and cold meals available on both days for people so they can take a day off from the kitchen. And we have children's uh, amusements on both days as well. And, you know, the kids love the amusements. It's a long time since they've been on the chair of planes or the, the swinging boats and all this thing. So we have all those kind of amusements as well on both days. How do you go about entering if you're in the cattle, sheep, horses, dogs or Just other parts? Just log on to our website, jarvelshow.com, and you'll, there's a button there. Press to enter. You press your class that you want. We'll say the dairy section. You click on the dairy section. You can scroll through the classes, you find the class you need, and you just enter all the details there. It's very simple. And I suppose going back over the years, everything was done manually. People wrote out an application form and posted it just with their fees, whereas now it's all done online. And I suppose you know yourself, John, if you want to go to fly anywhere now, you have to do it online. And to be honest, even to get the train, you nearly have to book it online. So... You know, people are used to doing things online and it makes it, I suppose, a lot less administration work for the staff in the office as well. And everything, you know, there's less mistakes and there is nothing lost. It's all online and it's very simple to do. No doubt over those two years, the terrible years of the pandemic, you might want to pay tribute again to anyone who passed away during the pandemic. Um, I was actually thinking about that today before you called me because I knew you were calling me. And um, I suppose from our own committee, um, John Lynch would have been a committee member and he passed away during the pandemic um, after 
a long illness. It wasn't anything to do with COVID. But um, apart from that, we didn't lose anybody else from the committee or um, any, I suppose, long-time supporters that we're aware of. You know, so thankfully for that, we haven't lost any of those. If there are people out there who would like to contribute to the Charles Agricultural Show, voluntary labour I'm talking about, are you looking for volunteers? Because we know right across the whole country, every activity, every industry, every business is apparently short of uh, having workers available. But if people would like to volunteer, are you inviting volunteers to come along and uh, you know, be trained in how to help at the show, marshal the crowds and just ensure everyone has a safe and happy day? Yes, indeed, John. As I mentioned earlier, I mean, we are a voluntary organisation and we are always looking for new people. And, like, we would just love to get young people involved in the show. But I think, you know, we're um, in a situation now where people don't even... They're not used to volunteering, I suppose. And we really would love, if anybody is listening and would like to get involved in helping out on the show next week from Monday to... Friday, we'll be in the showgrounds every evening. Come along, we'll find a job for you, and maybe there's a particular section of the show you'll be interested in. We'll get you introduced to those people, and we'd love to have people because we really need new people, young people, because, as I said to you, some of our committee are in the show since 1979, and it's seriously time to revamp the committee. And, Bernie, you have a few copies left of that beautiful historical document, extremely well produced with uh, tons and tons of colour photographs, and the front page from each of the catalogues uh, from the very first show in 1979 right up to your last one, 2019. So, in fact, a few yes. copies of that. Um, yeah, and they will be available in the secretary's office uh, on the showgrounds on Saturday and Sunday for just uh, five euros and uh, that um, donation all goes to charity. The show we're talking about, the actual title of the show we're talking about, when it's on and where it's located. Charvel Agricultural Show on Saturday, June the 25th and Sunday, June the 26th at Pike Cross, Ballyhea, Charvel on the N20 between Charvel and Ballyhea. That's wonderful. Thank you very much indeed, Miss Bernie Carroll, with the Charvel Agricultural Show. Thank you, Bernie, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John, and we look forward to seeing you at the show. I look forward Thank to going. You. Dr. Liam Downey, Director of Chagask for the years 1994 to 2001, joins us again on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for part two of our conversation based on his recent co-authored book, Historical Irish Dairy Products. Bearing in mind our long history of Irish dairy product development, how would Dr. Downey see the future Dr. Downey gives some indications on the route which the Irish dairy processing industry should take in order to ensure a prosperous and successful future. Building on research taking place at Chagask, at our universities and at some large companies. The dairy research that's going on in Ireland and going on in Moorpark and in UCC is of of, of international standing and is making a huge contribution to the continued innovation of the dairy industry. There's no doubt in the world about that. I mean, when I arrived at Moorpark in the 1966, I think it was, um, if you only saw the laboratories we had, I spent a good few winters in a Nissan hut, and I can tell you as it was very cold, you put on three pairs of stockings coming to work, and when you're now past Moorpark, 
and look at the size of the complex there. It's utterly amazing and utterly impressive. But an awful lot of people made a big contribution to that. And one person that made a big contribution to it and was director on the food side for a good while is Dr. Liam Donnelly. He's retired too, not like most of us. But Liam Donnelly definitely gets a lot of credit, uh, should, deserves a lot of credit, especially for setting up More Park Technology Limited, which, as you know, is a kind of a partnership between the research. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. And the industry, and as a way of getting the research for Moorpark rapidly into the industry. Now, he championed that when it was very unpopular, and thankfully he won through, and he was totally right and deserves an awful lot of credit for what we see now when we drive past Moore Park. And, Dr. Downey, the book we're talking about has an amazing amount of charts, graphs, drawings, photographs, black and white, and coloured. It really is unique, I would almost say cork publication, because it centres very much on the unique global role of cork, be it the butter exchange and the amazing connection of cork with the development of the dairy sector and sugar? Well, I was on the board of the Cork um, Butter Museum for quite a number of years, and I think they're doing a very good job there. I think that the importance of the Butter Museum in Cork is not adequately recognized, really. It's got a big update recently, I think. There's no doubt about that. But uh, the great credit goes to Christie Senate and uh, Peter Fines and people like that, who are, and uh, Colin Wren, who have kept that museum going for a long time. And really, I'd like to see it expanded more, but I would like to see it visited more also. Yes, there are visitors go to it in substantial numbers, but not as many as I think should, because it is a kind of a unique museum in most respects. And incidentally, just inside the door of it is a very good exhibition a uh, display of bog butter in a large glass container. So I, I couldn't speak more strongly and advocate it more strongly. It's well worth visiting. 
And indeed, the separator, which is illustrating the dust cover and the frontispiece in your book, that's from the Cork Butter Museum, I understand. Yeah. Well, that brings me to something I should have said. Um, the creamery started about the late 1800s, hundreds, but there was a very important innovation at that stage done in Scandinavia. They invented the cream separator. Prior to that, we had to leave the milk stand in a flat dish and leave the, which was going on in the earlier part of the 1900s on farms, and the cream would rise and let's skim it off. But by now the cream had got a bit sour and the butter had got a bit sour. But now the cream separator came in and the creameries adopted it immediately. It now meant that they could separate fresh milk, therefore produce fresh free cream, therefore produce fresh butter, therefore produce Kerrygold butter. And I think that was a major step forward by the creameries to adopt that emerging technology so early. And I think if the creameries were ever thinking of having a logo for the Irish creameries, I could think of nothing better than the cream separator. Could we look to the future, climate change, all the changes going on in the world, but bearing in mind our history of food research, product improvement and development, the Irish famine or famines and the various upheavals we've had in terms of uh, politics or otherwise, do you feel that climate change and those challenges facing us, that with proper research and ongoing research at the level we have at the moment in Chagask in particular and at our universities, that Irish farmers in the next generation and uh, the dairy industry will be able to survive and prosper. Research has a huge uh, job to do in helping the dairy industry to get through these challenges and sticking now with climate change at the moment, which is the most topical. I think that the research we need to do at the moment, really, and need to get going, and I think Tagus are beginning to do it now, is on the technologies. We hear an awful lot in the news and on the radio and on the television about gaseous emissions and gaseous emissions and more gaseous emissions. But what we need to talk more about is mitigating strategies, technologies that would address the problem. There's some of that going on, but I think that there is a critical need for substantial research on the technologies of strategies that would counteract gaseous emissions. When Anforus Saluntus was going at its strongest and when uh, land drainage was being promoted in a big way, Anforus Saluntus had a very, very strong... Anforus Saluntus were the predecessor of Tagus. They had a very, very, very strong uh, agricultural engineering. And by the way, so did the sugar company. That was the strength of it, right? I think that the strength, uh, that Ireland's capability in agricultural engineering needs to be seriously strengthened. And there's one area that I would attach a high priority to. I think that Ireland could deal with these things. And I've no doubt about that. And I think that... We're in a very good position to do so with the kind of research capability that we now have in places like Moor Park and UCC. Dr. Liam Downey, Director of Chagask from 1994 to 2001. 
adjunct professor of archaeology at UCD and also of biology at Maynooth University. You've also published many, many scientific papers, which you've just briefly alluded to, and you've also been published in international journals, and you've also produced the Antiquities of Rural Ireland. If people want to find out more about the book we've been talking about, Historical Irish Dairy Products, that website is www. Wordwellbooks, all one word, dot com, all lowercase. That's W O R D W E L L B O K S, Wordwell Books. So I think, uh, Dr. Downey, thank you very much for your valuable time, and we hope you have a very fruitful uh, response to all the very wise things you've been saying there. So, Dr. Downey, thank you very much indeed. Not at all. It's my pleasure entirely. Thank you. You're very welcome. We're joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Mr Seamus Lorden, Dairy Advisor with the Chagask office in McCroom. First of all, Seamus, welcome to the programme. There are probably a, a number of upcoming events which would be of interest to our listeners. Uh, hello, John. Uh, yes, there's a couple of events there that uh, my colleagues asked me to mention. So the first one there uh, was from Pat Flannery, and he's the Education Officer here for Cork West. So the first one there, it's uh, West Cork part-time, the Green Cert course. There's an information evening planned on June the 21st uh, in the Chagas office here in McCroom. Um, it's on at 7pm. And look, on the night, Pat will go through kind of the course details, what's involved in the in the course, the content, uh, how long how long the course will run for. And I suppose the benefits of the course really that the far, or that young farmers might get by doing the course as regards maybe stamp duty relief down the line. Uh, those sort of, that sort of information will be covered on the night anyway. So if anyone's in, interested, they can come on the night, as I said, it was June the 21st at 7pm in the Chagas office here in McCroom. Or they can contact the Chagas office here uh, on 026-41604 for further details. Okay. So that was the first one, John. This, the next one there was from my colleague, Grania Hurley. And this is in relation to the Chagas Dairy Gold Dine Program. Um, I suppose for the summer here, they're having two summer farm walks over the next week. The first one is taking place on the farm of Tom O'Connell. So he's Gortine in Ascara. I'll just give the air code there for that. That's uh, P31KX93. So that's on Tuesday, the 21st of June at 11 a.m. And there's another one then on Thursday, the 24th of June. Um, and that's uh, an event again on 11 o'clock again. And that's in Sean Moher. Or Sean Moher. Uh, he's in Mitchellstown, County Cork. And the air code then is P67FP93. So as I say, both of those events, they're the Dairy Gold, uh, Chargers Dairy Gold Giant Program. And both of them are starting at 11 a.m. Now, I suppose, on the day, the local advisors, Adrian O'Callaghan and Hardwick McCormack, they'll discuss with the farmer the current, you know, I suppose, current issues on the farm, cow performance, grass performance. Uh, Grainne then, she's going to discuss with the farmer. Both farmers, you know, they've, they've incorporated clover over the last couple of years, and how is that working on their farm? Um, how is it taken, and how has it affected the amount of chemicals? I suppose, nitrogen that they've had to apply in the farm as well. Um, Stuart Childs will also be there. He's the chagas specialist, and he's going to just talk about, I suppose, the changes really that um, are occurring, you know, with the, with the nitrates, um, with the dairy washing storage on farms. So, look, th th that is uh, important too for farmers to know. 
And finally, and um, and just as importantly, uh, Kira or Kira Donovan there from Dairy Gold. She's the ASAP advisor, and look, she's going to go through what she has discovered. I suppose are the main three problem areas of nutrient loss on farmyards, and most importantly, you know, solutions that may help um, each farmer um, to solve those problems. So look, there's a lot to discuss on those days. They're great farm, are uh, great farmers, and. Um, I think everyone is welcome to those walks, and I think it would be a great uh, deal for uh, anyone who could make it. Grass growth and the rate of grass growth, we're well into June, gone past midway in June just now. It's varying, we'll say, from area to area, because, no, to be, to be fair, I suppose last week we've had a good grass growth, because and there were, if we look at pasture base, they're in the 60s and 70s, and I suppose this is going back to the... Uh, you know the, the rainfall we had in the June Bank Holiday weekend. You know, so there was there was a good response to the grass or to the rainfall uh, in terms of grass growth from then. So I'd say 60 to 70 is what it was last week. Now, if we look at pasture base, they're predicting somewhere around 60 for this week. Some places they've got very little rain since, and I, I think there is a bit of a worry there that, that, that you know, would say as regards. Um, soil moisture deficits could be an issue that's taking place or take, that's affecting some farms. So, look, the grass growth could fall down to maybe, you know, in some places down to 60 or from 60 down to 40s. And it's these areas that we'd want to, I, I suppose, farmers would have to just keep an eye out on. Um, you know, if you have a stocking rate of 3.5, which a lot of farmers would have at the moment, um, they're looking for roughly a growth rate around 60. So if you're down to 40s, you're, you're kind of, um, you know, you're eating into your bank of grass. So, look, that's what we're, we would be a bit concerned about. I don't think there's a... If we get rain next week, we'd be fine. But at the moment, just looking at the forecast, it doesn't seem to be much on it. And it's just, I suppose, that that is what the concern is out there for some farmers at the moment. Targets, some general targets, targets vis-a-vis grass management. Yeah, John, and uh, you know a lot of them don't really change. But I, I, I suppose why we're saying do- these now again, or why I'm, I, I mentioning them, is just because we, we, there is a bit of a concern there that we could be running short of grass in a week or so if if we don't get the rain that we're looking for. Um, so again, it's like we say every time. It's the same mantra. We, we say walk the farm, and if you don't walk the farm, we really don't know. Uh, what's, what it's like on farm. A lot of farmers now at the moment, I'd say for the next week they're okay because I say the grass, um, the rain that came the bank holiday weekend has allowed that to grow. So it's this, I suppose, have a look at the paddocks that were grazed or that would be grazed, we say, in a week's time or more than that, for say, from that have over a week to go before you're going into them. Have they much of a cover? You know, have they 700 of a grass cover? Um, if they're lower than that, you would be. You would think that there could be a, gra- a you know a grass deficit coming in a week's time or so. But as I say, if we get the rain, we'll be fine. But number one, walk the farm. Okay, um, we're trying to. Re- I think you have to try to maintain the rotation link from around 21 up to maybe 25 days, depending on your situation. But keep that rotation link in there because if we do get, you know, um, reduction in grass growth. At least you have the rotation link to keep that. When it does start to grow, you, you, you'll have um, it will build up fats fast. Um, for those who are measuring grass, you want to keep your average farm cover over 550 and maintain a pre-grazing cover over 1100. Um, so look, these are always just trying to maintain what grass you have. Other things then, look, if farmers are allowed, you know, phosphorus and potassium, 
you know, they should be applying those uh, a little bit, uh, especially and that farmers who aren't allowed, you know, any phosphorus. But if they have potassium in the in the yard, apply some now because it's very good to maintain the, I suppose, the leaf rotten, rotten. It helps the plant from going to stem and maintains the leaf on the plant. So if you have a, a bit of cane in the yard, I know it mightn't be um, there this year, depending on what fertiliser you have to get. But if you have, use it now. Also, with sulphur, apply some sulphur if you haven't uh, been applied now. Again, if it's in the yard, um, you know, it, it depends what you were allowed to to, um, to get. And what some people are doing now, they're applying the fertiliser on the paddocks with covers on them. So, you know, there is, those paddocks retain moisture better rather than just the paddocks that um, have been freshly grazed where there's a, you know, there's no cover at all on them. So it just allows, I suppose, there's more moisture in them. The, um, the fertiliser is dissolved and it's probably um, helping, I suppose, the take up of the fertiliser then by the plant. So there are just a few things, John, maybe keep in mind for the farmers there for the next week or so anyway. Certainly always useful reminders in relation to the breeding season. Any feedback on how the breeding season is going at the moment? I suppose it's very hard for some farmers to, to know exactly how they're getting, you know, getting on. This year the bull might have been left in or the stock bulls might have been left in a bit earlier than normal. But look, we'll go around a few targets that maybe farmers should have a look at to see are they achieving those anyway, you know. Um, look, most farmers now, they're... they're even if they started the 1st of February, they're over the six weeks, so they know they should know, we'll say, that after the three-week um, return rate, how many cows held to the first service, how many cows repeated. So ideally, you're looking in the mid-60s, you hope that many held to the cows are held to the first service, and so you're on about a 35% uh, repeat rate or something like that. So if you can get that in the cows, you will be quite happy with it. Um, if it's a bit, If it's better than that, better again. And if it's lower than that, look, look, look at what you were last year. Is it is it around sixty? If it's you're in the fifties, you might have a bit of a concern about it, you know. So look, it's getting late. But if if you are worried about if it's in the fifties, maybe you should actually either contact your advisor, contact your vet, just try and look in to see what issue might be there, you know. And um, I think that's probably important now at the moment. So just go through your records, see where you are at the moment. If you're hitting there, those sixty marks, sixty five percent. I think you'd be quite happy. Most farmers seem to be happy enough. The feedback is generally pretty good, like that they are hitting those figures. Um, I think it's been a, a good year for the breeding season as regards weather uh, conditions and things like that. So, and, and most farmers say the cows are in good condition. So it seems to be coming on pretty good. But if you are not, like there's always been one or two cases, just have a look at the animals or, or get someone ring contact as I said, your advisor or the vet, vet, local vet, and have a look through, see if there's any issue that might be there on the farm. You know, a lot of people have introduced bulls earlier this year than maybe normal, you know. Um, and just, we'll go through again, like, I mean, a young bull, first year, you know, he's only going to be doing around 15 cows, that's all you'd want to have for him, and a mature cow, mature bull, you know, 10 extra, around 25 cows, you know, so that's the max they can do. But there's one thing that you should, also, you should always take into account is that, you know, in your her- in every herd, there's cows identified for culling, you know. So, But the, the bull doesn't know which cow is, um, you're going to cull or not, so and he's still going to serve her. So that, that cow has to be counted in your calculations. So if you have 100 cows and you have 15 um, cows or 10 cows identified for um, culling, 
those 10 cows are going to be part of your 25 cows for mature bulls. So there's only 15 other cows that, you, you know, other cows that you, you, you can count when you're doing your calculation. So it's very important that you do actually include the cows you are culling anyway for, for it. Uh, and the tip there too, John, is that, you know, even if, no matter how much, you know, if you've one bull and, you know, you say, you know, you're doing your 25 and that's fine. And um, if there's two cows going in, you know, in heat and we say today, if two more again tomorrow, like I'd say he might have no problem serving the two cows today, but tomorrow serving those two again, it's a lot and, you know, four and two days is a lot. So really in those situations, you want to be airing those cows the months tomorrow, especially anyway, because, uh, you know, he might be serving them, but he's done an awful lot of work. So um, the chances they're going in calf are probably reduced in those situations. And also just, it's an aside, because some farmers don't, a lot of them do, but some don't. Just to take into account the bulls there, you know, if a cow's in the heat, they're not going to graze much. So you have to be feeding them um, morning, and, uh, morning and evening when the cows come in. Give the bulls their own ration, a beef ration there, um, if you can at all. No, just keep in, keep in mind, you know, health and safety, that you're not putting yourself at risk or anything like that when you are going feeding those bulls. But they do need a bit of meal um, if they're, you know, if they're to perform as what we want them to perform. And obviously, if a, if a bull is lying down or if he's lame, you know, you have to be ailing in those situations. He's not going to be working to his full potential. He might even be infertile in those situations if he if he is lame and and um, if he's lying down in the yard, it's a good sign of that as well. So look, John, there are just a few bits and pieces about the breeding season currently. Where farmers include clover in their grass mixes, it would be very important that uh, some pesticide or herbicide wouldn't be used which would damage the clover. So with many farmers including clover in their grass mixes, what is the latest on clover safe sprays? Yes, John, it's a good question actually because um, anyone, a lot of farmers who I suppose saw there earlier on in the year there are, you know, receded with grass and clover sward. They were looking for uh, these clover safe uh, products and they weren't available. Now, since the 1st of June, there has been uh, emergency use has been granted. So up to then, there wasn't any. And the department have, I suppose, given a emergency use for 120 days. So what that means is from the 1st of June, and I think it's the 29th of September, you can now apply these uh, clover-safe um, sprays, and they should be available from you know, your local merchants uh, for the use. Now, just a few things in relation to... Um, they're very good in a lot of the weeds, but probably chickweed they're not going to be great on. It's not the best in chickweed. Now, it's not really an issue at the moment um, because it would be with chickweed. But as you go later on in the year, it might be an issue, especially the later, the later um, weed seeds. But look, from a clover point of view, it's there now. It's going to be, um, I suppose it's important to use it. It is available for 120 days. Only buy and use in that period, and any unused stock is supposed to be returned again. And this is fully traceable. Full traceability is required for all this. So obviously, when you you know you give your herd number when you're getting the products and all that, but anything that's not unused is supposed to be returned by the end of September anyway this year. So look, we're grateful to have it. It's probably a bit late, but it is very important, especially with the clover, um, the use of clover. Um, how important it is becoming on every farm. Just one final note there, there's no spray for the mixed species swards available. Um, so, you know, if you're going down that route, you just have to have to 
I suppose, use a field where there is low level of um, infestation of docks, especially, or any other weeds like that, you know. So try and target the paddocks you're going to use for the mixed species swords because um, there is no spray currently available for those anyway. So that's pretty much it, John. It is available. I would be ordering it away as soon as you can if you are thinking of receiving um, because, um, you know, there might be a bit of delay in getting it from uh, depending on what the flow is to the merchants. So that's it really, John. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Seamus Lorden, Dairy Advisor, Chagas McCroom Office. Thank you, John. That's Farm Talk for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to Barry O'Mahony and Marie Tuig for contributing to the programme again this week. A special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. And don't forget, the Cork Summer Show is on today, Saturday, 18th, and tomorrow, Sunday, 19th of June. A great day guaranteed to all who attend. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.